Us podcast. This is the No Pandering Zone. Hello and welcome back to the Actors Process podcast. First, I'd like to send out a sincere thank you to the many of you who've taken the time to contact me through email and Instagram with your supportive messages of encouragement and appreciation. My name is Kevin Duane. I'm a New York City-based actor and on-camera coach. The focus of this podcast is exploring the tools, methods, and approach that working actors do, as acting is all about the doing. You may not know the actors' names, but they're all doing something that's getting them booked, and hence, they have something we can all learn from. My goal is that each episode will provide something from their experience that benefits your acting. It could be a new insight or expand on something you're already familiar with, or something new altogether that adds to your toolbox and enhances your own acting. So your participation in your questions, comments, suggestions, and constructive feedback can only serve to make this a better learning experience for us all. I can be reached at Kevin at the Actors Process Podcast.com or through my Instagram account, where I post a daily quote on acting by a reputable actor, as well as share excerpts I've found helpful from acting books. My guest this week is John Tague. John is a true working actor. Not only has he booked roles in such shows as The Blacklist, Crossing Jordan, and Lucifer, but he created his own multi award winning web series, The Rolling Soldier to promote and highlight his own acting. I highly suggest going to his website link in the description and viewing his performances before listening. Let's get to it. Hey, John. Thank you for joining me. My pleasure. It's nice to be here. Uh, Let's just start off with my, seems to be my go-to question which is what is the acting experience for you? How do you know when you're acting well? I guess you could say it's like when you were in that kind of zone area um, Mm -hmm. where things are, are happening and you're reacting and you're not using any kind of preconceived notions or ideas in in the work, you know, like being in that flow state of, um, of being immersed in the, in the scene um, that you're shooting uh, or, or when you're on stage, I guess that's when I know when I, when I'm feeling lost in it, but not lost to the point where I don't know what, what's going on, but lost in it where I'm, I'm deeply connected with the material and the people that I'm in the scene with. And it's coming across organic and not contrived or cliche whether on stage or screen if you drop out in a scene what do you do to reconnect in that moment one of the things that i learned early on from it was my first acting coach in college was if you if you're if you're not connected or if you forget a line or if you're just kind of not present look down at the floor and count the floorboards <laughs> that'll kind of set you straight um that, and that give yourself that, something to do yeah you know just just kind of preoccupy yourself real quickly with something else to kind of get you out of that panic mode and then uh hopefully you'll drop back into whatever you're doing you know luckily for me that hasn't happened very often i'm kind of one of these people that likes to be over prepared mm-hmm. so I, I i try to come in with my lines known and and everybody else's lines and all the stage direction and i, I try to be <laughs> i try to be as prepared as possible by knowing the the script inside and out so that when we are working i know exactly what's what's going on and where i'm supposed to be and what i'm doing and you know there's always been this sort of dichotomy between whether there is a character or it's just facets of yourself. Hmm. Do you line up with that? Well, I think you got to bring a part of yourself into every part. And I, you know, I, I think that it doesn't matter how big the part is or, or how small it is, as long as, you know, I, from my, in my personal experience, I like to bring a little bit of myself into it. I also uh, really rely heavily on imagination. Uh, I think imagination is, um, really important. And, you know, sometimes I've been cast in things where I'm like, why did I get cast in this? I don't understand this. I don't connect with this character. This character really has nothing to do with me as a person. And that's when I have to kind of like, you know, drop into my imagination and create something, create a world there where I can, where that character lives and where I can relate to them in some way. Okay. So you, you, you sort of do see the character 
or the role as apart from yourself and something you have to kind of mold into. Is that correct? Yeah. Depending on the, on the part, if it's a part that I'm not connected to that I'm having trouble mm -hmm. kind of like connecting to, then I'll, I'll defer to my imagination and, and try to, like I said, try to, you know, um, bond with it that way. But a lot of times, you know, I, I, I try to bring a little bit of myself into, into what I'm doing and a little bit of my personal experience into, um, into the work. Um, it's just, just my, my training. That's how I, I learned to act. I, I studied, you know, pretty much in the method style, but I, I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm full on a method guy as far as, you know, um, becoming, letting it become a dangerous thing where it's, it's all consuming, but I do, uh, I do rely a little bit on, on, on that. And, you know, my method training definitely helps a lot. Let's go back to your training at sure. university in North Carolina. Okay. In your bio, you state that your teacher, Ron Law was a firm believer and student of the Stanislavski method and was heavily influenced by the actor's studio method and the work of Harold Clerman and Stellar Adler. What kind of technique classes did you have and what do you think they gave you? Well, in college, it was a very, here's the thing. I wasn't, I never planned on being an actor. Um, I kind of <laughs> fell into it accidentally. So I was coming at it from a purely a beginner's perspective. Mm -hmm. And Ron, he's a great, he was, he's a great teacher and he's a great director. He instilled in, in me and, and the other, you know, students that, that were there with me at the time, a, a, a serious work ethic and um, an understanding of, good acting and and what that meant and uh how to mm. you know how to approach it um and you know as a beginner back then i mean it was all like it was a, it was a little bit overwhelming at times mm. because i wasn't you know I, i'd been in rock and roll bands before i became an actor and and i, I wasn't afraid to be on stage but the thing that was um challenging for me was the thing that was challenging was embracing a character and tr and bringing it to life. And I think mm -hmm. that's pro that's where Ron, I think really helped me as a teacher mm -hmm. um, and gave me the foundations, a good foundation to springboard into the next level of my training. And, and also, um, you know, eventually, you know, getting work. And that was all theater, you know, based stuff that was going on mm -hmm. in college. And uh, I was, I was really lucky to have a teacher like him. He's a, uh, he was, a, he's a great, he's a great mentor and a great teacher. And, uh, I wish that I w could have had more time with him as a, as a student, but you know, you graduate and then you go off into the real world and you know, it's what happens. And, uh, then you went, uh, you came to New York and you were studying with Barry Schreiber. Yeah. Where you, as, and I'll quote you, you delve deeply into method-based training exercises. Could yeah. you elaborate on what those exercises were or are? And yeah, sure. Um, well, what do you think they gave you? Sure. Before I studied with Terry, I, you know, I, I went to the T. Schreiber studio and um, I started with uh, Gloria Maddox, who's no longer mm -hmm. with us, uh, who was a fantastic teacher. And she was uh, a very um, soulful teacher who opened up, opened up my eyes in a way that um, about acting that, I, that I, I hadn't really had that perspective on before from a, a feminine perspective, which I thought mm -hmm. was you know, really interesting and really intriguing. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have uh, continued acting because she pulled me aside one day and I thought she was going to, you know, read me the riot act about something, but she actually <laughs> pulled me aside and she pulled me aside and said, you know what, you're, you're very good at this. And this is something you should keep doing. And that was kind of what kept me going, having that kind of validation from somebody like her. And then I, after I was done studying with Gloria, uh, I went into Terry's class and in Gloria's class, we did some exercise work, a lot of breathing work, breathing stuff was, was kind of important mm. with her. her, her, one of her, one of the main takeaways I get from Gloria was that make sure you're always st starting at the top of your breath. And I think, you know, that was a great piece of advice for me because mm. I was always kind of like, I always felt like I was out of breath or, or I was, um, getting dizzy on stage or, or whatever. And I wasn't breathing properly. Um, and I felt like that, that really kind of helped me out a, a lot. But then when I got to uh, Terry's class, that's when things really started to kind of kick into gear. Terry, I don't know if you're familiar with him at all, but. Um, I, I am. I actually studied with him for a short no, time. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a master. His approach reminds me of kind of Bruce Lee's approach to martial arts, where Bruce Lee would say, take what's useful and discard what isn't. 
And I felt that Terry was very, you know, very open to different styles of the method. You know, there's a little bit of Meisner. I, I think he's gone, he's, he's embraced Meisner a little bit more in, in, the, in the last couple of years than he did when I was there. But, um, you know, uh, there was elements of, you know, Strasberg and Stella Adler and, and, and those techniques and, and, you know, body work, which was something that I was really not aware of at all um, until I got to Terry's school and I started, you know, working with body dynamics and unlocking memory that's held, you know, held up in your muscles, like especially around the neck area. And that area for me was where I was holding a lot of tension and holding on to a lot of things. And it was when I started to learn how to relax into that, I was able to open myself up to more emotion and, uh, and able to kind of incorporate that in, into more of my work. You know, mm-hmm. there's also a lot of a private moment exercises that Terry did. And a lot of, I think one of the first things that we did, which was really a lot of fun was um, the Spoon River Anthology. That, that was fun. I, I remember doing that. And then I remember doing a lot of private moment stuff, you know, but I think the body work was probably one of the most effective things that I got from Terry's uh, class. And when I was, when I was there, Carol Reynolds was doing the body dynamics. I don't know if she's still there or not. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure, but um, you kind of had to take the body dynamics class in tandem with, with uh, Terry's class. Um, and it was super valuable. And I, I, I got a lot out of it. The body work like hands-on or was it, ju- was it just more about the relaxation and, and finding your tension? It, it was all, it was a lot about relaxation but, you know, you partnered up with people and it wasn't massage or any, anything like that. And it wasn't weird, but, you know, you were connecting with the, your, your, the person that you were partnered with in a respectful way. And, you know, you, you worked on releasing tension in, in, in certain muscle groups and breathing again, like breathing was, a, you know, also a very important part of, of Carol's training too. So there was a lot of that as well. I'm trying to think what else we did in that class. There was, it was a lot. It was a long time ago. So I'm trying to like, my memories are, are, aren't as good as they used to be, but um, I do remember usually coming out of those body dynamics classes with a lot of, uh, a lot of energy. And that was the other thing. It was like, you know, you had to build up, it would, it would energize you and get you through your performance. Or, you know, if you're working on a scene that day, you always did the body work or the breathing exercises the, um, before mm. the scenes. And it always helped me. You know, I, I don't do it as much as I should anymore because a lot of times on set, you don't have time to do that kind of thing. Maybe if you're in your trailer and you've got a little time, you know, to yourself there, but a lot of times it's difficult to, to do that. So I, but if you, if you have the time, you know, I, I try to, I try to do that work, you know, before I get changed in the wardrobe and things like that. Let's uh, jump to your approach on audition material. Sure. You take us through and teach us. What, what is your process from first read to ready to tape? It kind of changes a lot. Um, the first thing I do, you know, I, I try to read the script as many times as I can or, or the sides as many times as I can. Um, if, if I'm lucky enough to get a script beforehand, I'll read that. But a lot of times it's just the sides and then you got to try to make heads or tails out of it. And if it's on a, it's for a show that that's, that's currently on the air, you know, I try to watch the show to get a, a, a taste of, you know, what the, what the timing's like and what the tempo is and, and, mm-hmm. and what the mood of the show is and, and the atmosphere and all that, just to, so that I know I'm in that world. You don't want to change the curtains. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You want to, you want to fit in with, with that world. Mm-hmm. So it's good to, you know, to have an idea of what you're auditioning for at first and, and if it's, if it's like a, a film, what I'll do is I'll go on IMDb and I'll look up the producers and the directors and see what they've worked on in the past because nine times out of 10, it's probably the same genre or probably the same kind of style. If I've seen one of those films um, or just get an idea of like watching some clips of some of their stuff, then, then I'll be like, okay, this is, all right, this is the kind of vibe he's, he or she is going for. So that's the first thing I'll do is I'll kind of explore what the, what the vibe is of, of the, of the world that they are trying to create or the world that's already established. And then I'll spend, you know, as much time as I possibly can learning the lines and rereading the script over and over again. One of the traps that I've, you know, fell into for a long time was uh, just focusing on learning the lines and not, not understanding what's really going on. And, Mm. you know, I, I would, sometimes I would book work that way. And sometimes 
you know, and a lot of times I wouldn't, but it, I, I've found recently that the less I worry about learning the lines and focus more on, on the, uh, what everybody else is doing in the scene, what everybody else mm -hmm. is saying or, or, or what the situation is and just kind of go deeper and deeper into my imagination of, of the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it becomes easier to learn the lines that way. And, um, and sometimes when I have trouble learning lines, what I'll do is there's a, and it's kind of cheating, but there's an app that I use called line learner. I'm not affiliated with them at all. So, you know, um, but, but I do use it on occasion to just to help me run the lines. And I find that to, to be helpful. But what I don't do is I don't put any, when I'm recording the line into the app, I'm not putting any kind of emotion. I'm, I, it's very flat, flat based so that I'm not mimicking something that I've recorded again, because I just don't feel like that's helpful. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it sounds like um, you focus very much on the what we call the given circumstances. Or exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or, very or much the event or, you know, whatever it is. And then right. your place in it. Would that be correct? And then a lot of times, you know, you know, you'll get the sides and the auditions the following day or yeah. like the, the day of. So you don't really have a whole lot of time to uh, explore that, but you, you got to do some of that work. Um, and then the rest of the work is about, you know, making sure the lines are right because, you know, now it's changed a lot. Now um, everybody needs to be off book for everything, especially mm -hmm. for film and television auditions. You very rarely see people even walking into the room anymore with sides. So, uh, and you know, I don't, I don't really know if I, if I'm hundred percent, down with that because you're you know an audition is different than the performance mm -hmm. and i think that you know having the sides nearby is always a good thing you know because look we're all human beings and and you know it's you're you're going in there and, and you want to do your best job but you know like things the nerves and things take over and sometimes you just need to reset and just kind of regroup if they give you the opportunity to and just to have a quick glance at the lines again, just so you can set yourself straight because you don't know what's going. I mean, you, you drive an hour to get to the audition and traffic was a nightmare and you're trying to find some place to park. And by the time you get there, it's like all that prep work that you've done has gone out the window. Yeah. So you got to figure out a way to kind of get back into it. And you know, that's what, that's where like the breathing and, and things kind of kick in. I've also in the last, I guess, five years, I've been practicing transcendental meditation and that really helps me a lot too. And that's been a valuable part of what I do as far as prepping for an audition goes. I'll, I'll try to meditate before I go in or I'll meditate in the morning before I go in. And that'll quiet your mind. Yeah. It's just, it, it, it's a great thing. Cause it's, it's basically what's great about transcendental meditation is that it's not, there's no religion involved or anything like that. It's just a mind. It's just like a rebooting your mind basically mm -hmm. and resetting things and clearing out, you know, the garbage and, yeah, you know, it sets it sets me right. And from what I understand, it's, you know, helped a lot of other people too with that kind of thing. A lot of the, the actor work, um, like I was saying, um, with the audition, it's alone time and it can get heady. How do you transfer that into physical behavior that you can take on set or stage? Does it just go back to your ideally engrossing yourself into the circumstances um. yeah you know again I'll, I'll i'll fall back on the given circumstances and, and my imagination um a lot of times because a lot of times when you get on set you know you're meeting people for the first time and you're supposed to like you know be in a relationship with these people right. or or and so you've got to figure something out quickly so you know if i'm if I need to connect this to my scene partner, I'll, you know, I, I won't bother them, but I'll just kind of, you know, just, you know, ask them a couple of not, not, you know, invasive personal questions or anything like that, but, but, you know, uh, you know, try to try to connect with them in some way so that there is a, a, at least a little bit of a relationship before we go into the scene. Some actors are open to that. Some aren't. And, you know, I've been on the, both sides of that. Um, I, I just try to, you know, um, yeah, you know, I, I try to make a connection with whoever I'm working with. And I also want to, you know, make sure that I'm connected also to the to people who are, you know, behind the scenes, you know, the camera operator and, and the sound guy. I want to make sure that I'm making their life easy, but also I want to be spontaneous with things and I'll let them know. I, you know, I'll say to the sound guy, I'm, I might get loud here. So mm. just be ready for that. So you can bump down the, the level when, when I start getting louder. You know, it, it, it just depends. 
on the situation really um but it's good it's good to you know have some rapport before you go into you know before you actually mm. start shooting i haven't done theater in a while so you know most of my you know the things i'm talking about now are dealing specifically with film and television can you recall one of your more challenging roles and uh, and how you approach that well okay i created a web series called the rolling soldier yes, yes i had what was challenging about that was you know, I was the writer, producer, director, and star of it. And I had to uh, wear a lot of hats. And so as far as challenge, and it was a very emotional part and very, you know, there's some action and there was a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of things going on in it. And uh, that was extremely challenging. But the, the thing that I was able to do with that was I surrounded myself with really good people and that made my life a lot easier. But as far as challenging goes, it was a challenging part. It's an emotional part. Earlier on in my career, I did a film called Living and Dining with Maureen Stapleton, um, which never, unfortunately, never got released, um, which is a shame. But the work in that film was very good uh, by everybody. It just wasn't the film that people, you know, distributors wanted at the time. And it just kind of just fell to the wayside, which is a shame because it was Maureen Stapleton's last film. And uh, the character that I played in that was, um, was an interesting guy, kind of you know a lonely guy trying to figure out his life uh and then i did another film after that called the ticking man which i mean every single frame of, of the film and that was hard because it was very physical and very uh intense and you know there was, had to be a lot of focus on my part because i'm basically i basically had to carry that film the whole mm. the whole way because i mean i'm the film i'm in literally every single frame and how, and how do you I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, I was just going to say, if you're familiar with the film Phone Booth, it's a lot like that. Yes. Yeah. So how do you prepare for a particular demanding scene, whether it's the day before or you it's last looks and they're saying rolling, just about to say action? I just try to go deep in and get myself centered and, and, and try to get as, you know, as relaxed and focused as I can so I can be open to what's about to happen. Um, mm -hmm. Because, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes you're, you work with people that are unpredictable and which I like because then I can react easier. Um, I'm not, uh, you know, waiting for something to happen. Something happens and I can react. But yeah, I mean, you know, I just try to try to center myself, get focused, try to clear all the um, peripherals out of the way. You know, it's 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 tricky when you've got, especially when you're working on a big show, like, you know, like a, a network show where there's like 200 people walk, milling around in between takes mm -hmm. and, and you don't know who you're supposed to talk to because you're seeing so many faces that day. You're like, who's the first AD again? And, and you know, what's, you know, what, who do I tell? Who's, cause you can't remember everybody. I, at least I can, I, I'm on set. And I'm like, I can't, there's so many people. I don't know who's who anymore. That can be hard. But once the camera starts rolling, you got to be there and you got to, you know, you got to deliver, especially if it's a big network show, because it's like that stuff is, it's not cheap, you know, and you, if you want to work again, you better deliver. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the hard part. That's the really hard part about being an actor is, and a lot of times you get no, you get no feedback. You don't know if it was good or not, mm -hmm. uh, depending on who the director is. If it's an actor's director, you might get some feedback, but a lot of times, you know, the, uh, some of the directors are more technical guys that only really care about how the shot looks. And if they got, mm -hmm. if they captured half of the performance, they're happy. So there's that, but uh, yeah, I mean, when, when, when the, when, when the clapboard comes down and it's time to rock, you know, I, I, I just, that moment beforehand, I just take a deep breath in and just try to relax and try to, you know, just think of where I was coming from and let it roll. That's, that's you, basically it. Do you use any of the, that have come to be associated with method acting, whether it's sense memory or substitution or sometimes justification. Sometimes with, with emotional scenes, like if I have to get, you know, if I have a breakdown or if I have to cry or, or something like that, I'll try to go, I'll try to drudge up, you know, something from my past that was painful, but I don't, I, I, I always want to make sure that, whatever I'm drudging up, I've had a catharsis with, mm. you know what I mean? So I'm not, yeah. I'm not reliving the experience, but I'm, I'm, 
I'm feeling the experience from a compassionate point of view. So I'm, it's not like, and there's, there's times where it, you know, sometimes it does, you know, it does get overwhelming and then, you know, you, the scene's over and, and, you know, you need a minute and they want to go again and it's hard to reset. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. sometimes, you know, it's still residual and you, you still got to kind of work through it um, and let, let it happen and let it kind of flow through you. That's why you save that for last. I'm sorry. I swore. Sorry. <laughs> I'm from New Jersey. Um, that's why you got to save that kind of stuff for last, you know, on your, on your final, you know, close-ups. Um, rather than blowing it out, you know, on, on the wide shot, uh, you mm -hmm. want to kind of hold on to that stuff for the close-up. It reminds me of a Alec Baldwin anecdote where he was doing, it, it was a lot, the director wanted to do this long take of him. It was a very challenging, emotional scene. Yeah. And Baldwin just said, no, this is what we're going to do. We're going to shoot from here to here. You know, so instead of this one long shot, because and he said, I have to protect myself as an actor. It broke it up into four different sections so we can work it in that way, sort of. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's nice when you're in that position where right. you can tell, tell <laughs> exactly. the director that, no, we're not going to do it that right. way. But, but, you know, you should, I, I think it's important to have a conversation with the director about it and say, listen, you know, I might need a little time to kick in here or, mm. um, or you know, because, you know, acting is exhausting and, you know, those long take scenes can be really, really tiring and painful because there's so many things like you could give a great performance, but you know, the, I don't know that there's like a, there's light bleeding in from somewhere or there's mm -hmm. a boom in the shot or, or, and they got to reset and do the whole thing over again. Right. And that happens a lot, you know, uh, but you got to kind of, you just got to be able to roll with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, it would be really nice to be able to do what Alec Baldwin, you know, does and just say, you know, we're going we're gonna to do this works better for me if we do it this way. And I think it's okay to have that conversation with the director, but a lot of times, you know, they're so pressed for time sure. that you might not get that opportunity. So you gotta, you gotta kind of, you just gotta be, you gotta be an open vessel and just let it, let it happen. And a lot of times it doesn't happen. A lot of times if you've got a big emotional scene you might not it might not happen you see i see it all the time you see it all the time on mm -hmm. shows where it's a big emotional scene and and you can see them trying and it's not happening and sometimes that's just the way it goes you know you just got to be like well i don't think i can squeeze out any tears here but what i can give you is anguish <laughs> you know what i mean no. <laughs> so we can maybe try it that way and, and see if that works. Um, but you know, sometimes you get tapped out and that's why you got to really pace yourself when you're doing a scene mm -hmm. like that. I think. I've heard that, that, um, you know, don't blow your wad in, in the mid shot, save it for that yeah. close-up sort of thing. Always save it. Always save it for the close-up. Don't, yeah. Try not to blow it out mm -hmm. too early because, because you know, the chances and, and, of, of it happening again, you know, and, and you know what, but sometimes, sometimes you get so wrapped up in it that you can't help it. And in some ways that's good. In some ways that's bad. It's good in the way that you're reacting in a way that is, is truthful and honest and you could probably pull it off again, but the chances of it, I'd say maybe you're like, you know, very, very slim, like maybe 25% of the time you can maybe do it again. Yeah. The other, the other times it's just not going to be as honest as the first time. Right. I think. But there's tricks too. I mean, you know, yeah. they could put, they could put, uh, you know, glycerin, you know, in your eyes or they could, they could do some kind of like menthol thing to get your tears going. And, and, you know, I've been on films where we've done that and, and, you know, it's, it, nobody knows yeah. any, when any you're, when you're losing light, you gotta... yeah, nobody, nobody knows any different, you know, yeah. as long as you're emotionally connected and but if you need a, a kickstart with you know somebody rubbing vapor rub under your eyes then do it <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean it's all about it's all about doing the work and getting the shot it's magic it's tricks it's right. you know it's but it's also you got to be honest with it and you got to come mm -hmm. in with a um you can't you can't phone in the the performance you've got to be connected when mm -hmm. you're connected it's a lot easier i think when you work on camera are you how aware of you are the of the frame and i always ask first thing i do before i get before, when we're having you know when we're going through like the blocking of the scene or or 
or whatever, I'll always ask either the DP or the, uh, the assistant, uh, the AC, you know, how is this being framed? Where, where can I move? You know, is it tight on my, you know, do I have a lot of headroom? I always try to ask beforehand, um, you know, and you got to be careful about that too, because a lot of times the guys that are working camera are really focused and they're trying to work out issues with the camera and you mm. don't want to interrupt them too much. You always want to wait until they've got a, like a, a lucid moment where they, their head comes up and they look like they're ready. And then that's when you, that's when I ask them, I don't, if they're fiddling around with the focus pull or something like that, I always wait until they're done. I don't ever mm. want to interrupt what they're doing i'll wait until the last second i'll say how tight are we and then take a step back breathe <clears throat> breathe in and then go mm. do you feel that you can play with with that and what i mean is like i mentioned this in the last podcast like i noticed with sean connery when he ha he'll have a little speech like i'm talking to you and then on that button moment the last bit so be careful. He leans into the camera to get that extra impact or push. Is that anything you're aware of or, or think of doing? Uh, or do you just let it to the cinematographer and editor? Well, I mean, you know, if you're, you don't want to get out of focus. Mm. So I'm sure that if he's going to do something like that, he'll, I mean, I would imagine that, you know, he'll, he probably won't say anything to the, to anybody he'll just do it and then they'll be like all right let's reset that okay if he's going to move his head in let's make sure uh. that we rack focus so that we don't lose his focus again it's it's if you have an idea and you feel like the the people that you're working the people that are running the show are, are open to it um you know i would say that to them first before doing it that way you know a shot isn't blown and sometimes, you know, the, the, the camera operators are really good. They, they, they have no problem like following you and focusing with you, but, but it's better if they know it uh, ahead of time, but then you lose some spontaneity, I guess. So uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's either, or, but I, I, I tend to always make sure that I, I let them know what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like if I feel like I, I'm, I'm going to cross over to the side of the table, I'll, I'll ask, I was like, is it okay if I move to the side of the table? And they'll be like, yeah, sure. We can follow you. And, and, and that's what I'll do. Um, mm. I always try to make sure that everybody's kind of uh. on the same page and I'm not throwing curveballs. Gotcha. Um, I'm never, I'm never really in a position where, you know, I've only, if, if I'm starring in something, then I, then I can probably do that. But if I'm like a guest star uh, or sometimes a co-star on something, you know, I don't, I don't mess with that <laughs> too much because it's not about me. It's about them. Right. You know, you're the job of, you know, when I'm t in a supporting role, I'm there to support the other actors the, and, and the story. I'm not there to pull, to suck the focus out of the room mm -hmm. um, unless it calls for it. So. Can you uh, think of anything you may have picked up from either working with other actors or directors or directing yourself that you now bring into your toolbox or, or think of using? Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I learned a lot about myself was when I was directing myself uh, in the Rolling Soldier. And then when I had to do the post-production work, having to sit through all the takes of me basically over and over and over again, I used to just, you know, I used to cringe watching myself work and, and, you know, I, I would, you know, it was like just awful and painful, but I got to the point where I was like, I have to get over this in order to finish this project. And I started picking up on things that I was doing um, that I was seeing on the playback that were good. Uh, some were, you know, really good. And then some was just like awful. And it's just, it's like, a, I, I kind of equate it to like a pro athlete when they watch themselves on tape, like a football player, hmm. um, you know, like, like somebody like uh, I'm not, a, I'm not a big Tom Brady fan, but I'm sure that guy spent hours and hours and hours watching, you know, himself play and figuring out what he was doing wrong and what he was doing right and, and kind of making it finally figuring things out that that to me was really valuable so like if there's you know I, I highly recommend other actors to create their own content and also um do the post-production work on it it's good to know a lot about uh especially if you're if you're interested in film it's good to know about every aspect of filmmaking mm -hmm. and by becoming a director and, and creating your own stuff, you, you kind of get a, a crash course in, in all the things that go into it. Um, and so one of the big takeaways for me was being able to 
endure watching myself and then learn from it instead of, you know, critiquing it and beating myself up over things. I was able to, to look at it and, and learn and build from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of any other examples that. Was it something like relax more or, or do less or. Uh, a lot of times it was do less or a lot of times I was, I was, I could see it that I wasn't listening enough. And that is probably the most important thing is, is, you know, if, if it doesn't look like you're listening, taking in the information, then it looks like you're just waiting for your line. And that's a thing that I think a lot of actors have problems with. And I think, you know, that's a thing that a lot of actors have problems with in auditions. And I think that's a a good reason why they don't get cast is because it looks like they're waiting to say their line instead of, Mm. of, you know, being immersed in, in the scene and living in the scene. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. How about working with, as a co-star or, or in a supporting role, let's say with a series regular or somebody like that, is there anything you notice that there's that, whether it's the way they stand or, 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 or come into a role or anything like that to the scene? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I, I played the father on the show light as a feather and the, uh, the actress that played my daughter, Liana Liberato, she's as brilliant young actress and um i was really blown away by how how she was able to come into a scene and just literally naturally just drop into it with very little effort um i thought i kept saying to myself how does that how the hell does she know how to do that at at her age i mean she's you know i guess she's now like early 20s but i was blown away by by that whole not being affected uh, with anything going on and how settled into her character she was. And maybe that had a lot to do with, you know, she had a lot more camera time than I did on that show. So maybe she was a little bit more accustomed to being around everybody on set more. Mm. But um, one of the things that she was really good at doing was having business, something to do with her hands when she was working. So, and it was never distracting. So I think it's a good idea to have some kind of, business physical thing to be doing in, mm. in, in your work without it being distracting and i think yeah it was it was neat watching her kind of work that way and seeing how she did things and so i guess i picked up a little bit of that too that's interesting it, it, it makes me think of brad pitt in many of his movies particularly oceans 11 he's always eating you know yeah you know it, because it breaks up the monotony you know yeah. and in and it's an it's a natural thing i remember i auditioned for something a while back and I made a really bold choice in the audition where I was sipping on a, uh, like a, like a big gulp in the audition and it didn't call for it at all. I just walked into the room and I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to try this. And I booked it, but I, I ended up not taking the part because, um, there, there, it was a long commitment and there wasn't, wasn't a lot of pay, but it was a cool project. And I, and in hindsight, I kind of wish I had done it. I remember when it happened, I was like, oh. That was interesting because, you know, the guy said to me, he's like, I've never seen anybody do that before, you know, who, who I was auditioning for. And um, he's like, that was great. But that might be like a once kind of in a blue moon type of thing. You know, I wouldn't yeah. do that with every single thing. It's just like, I felt like the character was kind of like, you know, and I kind of nicked it off of um, from the show, uh, from the show Weeds. Can't remember what her name is now. Anyway, she's always got a Starbucks in her hand and always sipping on the Starbucks. And I was like... <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll try that so i, and I did uh, and it kind of worked but um but yeah you got I, I guess you gotta kind of be careful with that kind of thing but but i think when you're when you're you know if you watch a good actor they'll always have something else kind of going on at the time it's not just two talking heads standing there you know just rattling the lines off to each other like there's got to be business and there's got to be life happening I think, yeah. that's, I think that's important i like that um that you nick something uh uh, I have to bring in my own memory here. It reminds me of Richard Dreyfus, before he took on this role, he went to see the performance. He's like, I got no problem stealing with what some other actor did and it, and it's working. I'll, I'll, I'll take it and do it myself. I've got sure. that, you know? Yeah, it's a remix. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, so you're sampling it. It's a remix. It's, it's, it's you know, if it works, it, it works, you know? Um, I don't have a problem with it unless it's like blatantly, you know, like, well, then it's an homage, right? Right. And then, you know, who, <laughs> I'd write, who wants to see that? You want to see, uh, you want to see something fresh, like a fresh take on something. 
when you come out of the audition well now i you know every thing now is pretty much on tape correct yeah well yeah everything is self-tapes but um at the moment which i'm not a big fan of but you know it's part of the job now yeah um yeah it's all self-tapes now well i'm sorry what was your question when you used to come out of the room how did you usually th- did you did you just leave it behind you uh whatever was done or uh, sometimes yeah sometimes you know it takes a little while to sh- sometimes for me to shake things off like I, I, there have been times where i've come out of the room and i've been like i just nailed that and crickets there have been other times where i thought eh, you know i was in the pocket i you know it felt pretty good and then i book it and then there's other times like there's uh i did a I did a spot on uh, the show Lucifer and after the audition, I felt like I completely fumbled and dropped the ball in the the worst possible way. And I remember I walked out of the audition. I was on the Warner brothers lot and I rounded the corner and there was nobody around. I was so pissed off that I kicked the wall and I thought, I was like, damn it. I just totally blew my shot ever auditioning for that casting director ever again. And by the time I got home, which was like an hour and a half drive from Santa Monica. <laughs> By the time I got, the time I got home, uh, I, I booked it. And I was, I, I could not believe it because I thought I completely hit the bed. <laughs> and, but, you know, so you never, you never really know, you know, mm-hmm. it's like they saw something in it that they were like, well, that's the guy. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's, it, it, it's anybody's guess, you know? Um, but as far as like leaving the audition room goes, it's, it's always kind of a hard, it's hard to shake it off sometimes. And it's depending on what your situation is. Maybe, you know, you haven't booked in a long time. This was like the first thing that you've been called in for, for a while, or you haven't auditioned mm-hmm. for a while and, and you're getting, you know, this is like, okay, all right. I, I got to, you know, get back on this horse and see what's going on. And you don't want to, you don't want to do a bad job. And, and, you know, you, you know, and it's hard not to psych yourself out. You know, a lot of times when I get the audition notice, I, inst- the first thing that hits me is like, oh, here we go, you know, and then I got to get over that hmm. because, because I, I have to realize, like, I, I have to, it's hard to, to accept it as, as a positive for me right away. My hmm. first reaction to it is uh, always kind of dread hmm. because I know that I'm going to have to, you know, drop every single thing that I've been doing all day or whatever I had planned for the next day is gone. And mm. I, I have to tell everybody around me, you know, I, I, I can't focus on any of this stuff on whatever they want me to do right now. Or from, you know, you know, I'm a father and I'm like, I got to go and sequester myself and, <laughs> and figure this thing out. Um, so that, that can be tricky. But my, my first reaction is always like, Oh God, but then I get over it and then, you know, get to work. Um, that's probably not a healthy way to, to approach it, but I've gotten a lot better. I used to go into full blown panic mode, but now I've kind of settled into it a little bit more. You know, you realize it's not the end of the world if you don't book it. I mean, you might not get the paycheck, but as long as you're going in and you're showing up and you're, you're presenting something, you know, that, and, and you've put the effort in, the casting director is going to know that it's it's when you're going in and you're phoning it in that's like the last thing that they want to see because it's not only a waste of your time but it's a waste of their time i just want to go back to those demanding scenes when you first see it in a script it's like oh there's an obligation here that i have to break down and really not something you compare you can prepare for because i i'm i'm thinking if you if you start doing it in your bedroom like a sense memory Maybe on set, it's just not going to work. And then right. know, it's, right. it's yeah, uh, what, what works in your bedroom very rarely translates, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> into, into the situation. Um, I guess the only thing you can really do is sort of attack it on the day and sort of building up to it. That, that's that's a good, thing. that's a good way of, of looking at it. I like the word attack. I, I use that a lot. Like I, I, you know, I kind of draw off that from being a musician. I'm a bass player and, and I've never been one of those guys that kind of sits back when I play. I, I'm on the attack when I play because I like to be dynamic. Mm. And I think, you know, I, I, I have that same approach when I'm acting. You just got to kind of feel the room and feel the vibe and, and hope, hope that you're 
you're on the same wavelength and, and, and hope that it all connects, uh, mm. you know, and if it does awesome, if it doesn't, then, you know, I don't know, you got to figure it out. That's, that's the trick. Going back to, to, to training, what do you think, you know, uh, I'm a little familiar with like sort of the method a- exercises. I studied with a guy here in New York for a bit. You, you do the coffee cup, the orange, uh, private sure, yeah. and all that stuff. What do you think that stuff provides or, or, or gave you or, or how does it transfer into the work, actual work of performing, do you think? I think it helps you get out of your own way. You know, I think, I think in a lot of ways, those exercises are, again, it's about being open to what's going on around you and your surroundings. You know, if you're supposed to be, if the scene is, you know, especially with theater, I think, I think this kind of applies a little bit more to, to theater because, mm. you know, if you're doing a, a play and, and say it's, you know, the scene is set in Central Park or, or someplace and, and like there's somebody roasting chestnuts or something nearby and, and, you know, you want to smell, you want to, ha- you want to have that sense memory of the smell of the chestnuts you know, to help you kind of like, maybe it's Christmas and you're, you know, walking through the park with, you know, uh, a date or, or whatever, whatever the scene is. It's helpful to have those things because it puts you in the mood and it puts you in the situation. I think it puts you in the situation. Hmm. Um, you know, I, uh, I think there's a lot to it. And I, I think that, you know, for a long time, you know, and still, I, I still run into people all the time. They're like, oh, that method stuff is bullshit. I'm like, well, again, it's whatever works. If it works for you, then use it. Um, Mm. you know, if it doesn't work, don't use it. Don't force it. You know, what's the point of that? You know? Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of those, those exercises I think can be important if, if they work for you, if they Mm. don't work for you, then they're useless maybe. And, And it's all about figuring out what, you know, like for me growing up, I was a terrible student, terrible, not because I wasn't smart, but because I wasn't learning in a way that I could uh, enjoy and understand. Mm-hmm. I was being taught things that I couldn't wrap my my hands around, or because of the way they were being explained to me. So I, I, I feel like it's it's all about you know using those things to your advantage if you have a connection to them. If you don't have a connection to them, then, you know, try to find maybe something else. You know, that's why, I, like, I, imagination plays a, a huge part in what in what I like to do. And that's why I, I really like Michael Chekhov's approach a lot, where, mm. you, know, you, you know, you might not have those circumstances. You might have to create this thing in your head in order to, to make it real for yourself. And, you know, it, it can be a little dangerous at sometimes, you know, and other times, it, you know, it, 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 it can be really helpful. It's just about you know, kind of figuring it out. Do you still uh, work with a coach or attend uh, a class? For uh, it's been a little while since I've, I've worked with a coach. Um, I was working with James Eckhouse not long ago. Uh, we were having a lot of fun because we were kind of, you know, doing some Meisner stuff, which I don't really have a lot of experience with. And uh, I was enjoying that. And then, you know, COVID hit and uh, kind of you know, sucked the wind out of everybody's, you know, sales and the money out of everybody's pockets. And before that, I was, uh, you know, I, I bounced around a little bit. I was studying with Alice Carter and Cameron Thor. At this point in your career, what do you, what do you look for in a class? Or, or... Just a, for me, it's about a workout. It's about yeah. just staying, um, staying fresh and, and, you know, try. It's like, for me, I, I'm still all about taking risks and, and, and pushing the envelope, you know, and, and getting and, and, and trying new things. So. You know, so you, you will you uh, so you search out material like that, the, a play or something like that, and, and, or scene. And, and I mean, not really. It's whatever. Like if I'm in an acting class and I get assigned the scene, then then I'll I'll take that huh. scene and I'll just and I'll you know try to you know suck as much out of it as I can, squeeze the life out of it as much as I can, uh, and you know take some risks with it. Like yeah, so but it's also more of a workout for me and just kind of staying fresh and in the flow and you know and i'll be honest with you um you know a lot of times being in a class is is the best way to to make good connections in in the Mm. industry with people so that for me is another another way of um 
you know, helping my career is, is, you know, meeting new people and maybe collaborating on something with, with other students or maybe somebody um, knows of a casting that's going on that, you know, they think I'm, I'd be right for and, and, you know, they'll tell me to get in touch with so-and-so or whatever. And, you know, that happens a lot. So I think being in a class is an important thing. You know, the, the, the hardest part about being in class when you're an actor is the money, yeah. you know, but you know, it's the way it is. Mm. You, know, you, you could always get together with a bunch of your friends and rent out a studio space and just, you know, try to do it that way. And I've, and I've done it that way. Um, but it's always good to have somebody that's kind of, you know, experienced and in charge, like, you know, steering the boat in classes. You've got a new project you're working on. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, I just shot a, it's a anthology series called civil disobedience and it's um, it tackles a lot of like today's social issues like black lives matter and um, uh, immigration and, and a lot of uh, kind of hot topics at the moment. And I shot two episodes uh, last week and uh, it was a lot of fun and it's a good, it's a good group of people. Um, and I'm excited. What's, what's your role in it or. Uh, I played uh, lately. I've been playing a lot of like nasty characters. And, uh, <laughs> I play a detective in, in the first episode who not a very nice person. And in the second episode, I play like a kind of an investigator um, that was kind of working for the church and um uh, and he's not a very friendly person either. Um, so, you know, I guess you could call them the bad guy roles. And what's nice about it is, you know, it's, it's an anthology series, so it's like contained episodes, but with a theme of social injustice and, and, um, um, you know, current events. And will that be airing anywhere? I don't know. I don't know what's, what the situation is. Uh. With it. I think, I think they're going to try to, try, they're trying to figure all that out. Um, they're just shooting, they're shooting the season and then they're going to, I guess, shop it around and see what happens with it. Cool. Good people involved with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm fairly confident that, you know, it, it might have legs and might go somewhere. So we'll see. Uh, you also were working on a show called the love or the love of Jason. Is that correct? Yeah, it was, uh, it's a new series that's on a channel called All Black, which used to be UMC, which uh, is owned, I think, by AMC. And it's a, it was, it was fun to do because it was a, it was a comedy. Well, not, well, I mean, it, it's kind of a comedy drama type of show. And um, uh, I play a, uh, a wealthy, uh, he's kind of an entrepreneur and um his brother is dating uh um this beautiful actress named uh Layla Oldham who um who's a black actress and she is the uh she played uh Peppa in the Salt and Peppa story that was just out which was which was really good and um had a you know really great scene with her and it was uh it was fun because it was right it was only it was a couple months after lockdown was one of the first things I think that they started shooting again in LA. And so it was my first experience on set with, you know, all the protocols that are, that are being used. Mm. And, uh, and that's the challenge because it's a challenge, but it's also, it's kind of a blessing in disguise because it gets rid of a lot of people on set. You know, you've got your, your actors and the actors are kind of sequestered in one area and then the crew is working and then everybody else has their own zone and they can't, they, none of them can mix. So you don't have that frantic, frenetic stuff going on all over the place while you're, you know, you're trying to get ready. Like you're in your zone and when it's time for you to get in front of the camera, they bring you the camera, you shoot the scene, you're back in your zone. So I liked it. I thought, I thought it was, it's a great way to work and it cuts out a lot of the middleman and a lot of the nonsense that goes on in a set. Cause like I said earlier, it's like when you got 200 people running around, you don't know who anybody it's, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, that, that's, uh, airing now on, uh, the, uh, all black, uh, channel, uh, which is, uh, I think, I think it's internet only or streaming on you on AMC. I'm, I'm not sure. I gotta, I gotta check on that. But yeah. That's the, that's the first thing I did when COVID hit. And then, uh, and then like, you know, five, six months go by and then I did, um, uh, civil disobedience. So you know, but I've been putting myself on tape for tons of stuff, uh, you know, since then. And, uh, you know, the, the whole self-tape, 
it isn't as good in my opinion it isn't as good as being in the room but you know it's the world we live in now and, and it's probably trending towards that even when things mm-hmm. get better i think it's all going to still be about self-taping mm-hmm. this is just i just think think that it's a much easier thing for these casting directors to, to do rather than you know have all these people show up at their door and and you know i don't know and it's probably more cost effective for them mm-hmm. in the long run so John, thank you so much. I, I appreciate all the time. I oh, man, thank you. Over. It was really great. Wishing you all the best, and I uh, hope we get back thank you soon. Yeah, man, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. And uh, if anybody wants to, you know, check me out, they can find me on uh, Instagram at uh, John J Tag. That's at J O H N J T A G U E, or they can follow me on Twitter with the same handle. I'd love to hear from you. And like I said, this is a really nice conversation. Thank you for having me on. Be embraced. And if I can, if I can, um, I've learned a ton about social media from somebody named Heidi Dean. And if you guys are interested in checking her out, you should. Um, she's she's does this thing called social media or marketing for actors, and uh, it's definitely something that I think you should check out. If you, is that her website or? I, I think that's her. I think her website is marketing for actors. And I think the, her, uh, handles on social media is the same and her name's Heidi Dean. She's fantastic. And I highly recommend it. So shout out to Heidi Dean. Great. Thank you again, John. Yeah, you bet. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, John. And thank you for tuning in and listening. And if something grabbed your attention or gave you pause for reflection, I'd welcome hearing from you. And please consider subscribing to this podcast and leaving a five-star review. I'm continually trying to improve the focus and content so your continued feedback, comments, and suggestions help guide this program. On to the takeaways. If you're not feeling present, look down at the floor and count the floorboards. Preoccupy yourself quickly with something else to keep you from going into panic mode. If you recall from the Joshua Bromfield Davis episode, he mentioned something similar. If you haven't listened, it's well worth your time. John prefers to come in over-prepared by knowing his lines and everybody else's lines, knowing the script inside and out. Before speaking, make sure you're always starting at the top of your breath. Take what's useful in your training and discard the rest. As Mike Keller mentioned last week, tools and techniques are fire extinguishers to be taken off the wall when necessary. Read the script or sides as many times as you can. This is a callback to Anthony Hopkins who reads the script possibly hundreds of times. Know what you're auditioning for. Research the show you're auditioning for either by watching episodes or looking into previous productions the producers were associated with to get the mood, tempo, and vibe. When on set, John uses breathing and meditation to settle in, and you can find your own way of doing this. Before shooting, to make a connection with a scene partner, John will open up a little dialogue, just to open up a relationship, because you're probably meeting them for the first time. If you're working with a more technical director, you might not receive any feedback on your performance. With emotional scenes, John will try to drudge up something from the past that he's had a catharsis with, not reliving the experience, but feeling the experience from a compassionate point of view. Save it for the close-up. Because connecting to that deep emotional place doesn't always happen. You can get emotionally tapped out. With a big emotional scene, a lot of times it doesn't happen. But there are tricks if you need a kickstart, glycerin or menthol in your eyes before the shot. Just be honest and be emotionally connected. When going through blocking of the scene, ask the cameraman for the frame. Just don't interrupt their focus, because effectively, that frame is your stage. As a supporting role, he knows he's not there to pull focus, but to support the leading actors. John encourages actors to create their own material and learn the different aspects of filmmaking. In the podcast description, you'll find a link to John's How I Made an Award-Winning Web Series, which should be required listening for anyone interested in making their own content. Make sure you're really listening versus waiting to say your line. Do something physically that would fit into the scene and ground you, like drinking a cup of coffee. Or again, if you watch Brad Pitt in Ocean's Eleven, he's always eating. Similarly, in the movie Moneyball, he has a bowl of snacks on his desk that he picks from. You can never tell how an audition went. 
John related the anecdote of leaving an audition and confident he completely blew it when in fact he booked it. Being in a class can be the best way to make connections in the industry by meeting new people or collaborating. Please subscribe to my Instagram page where I post daily quotes by reputable actors on their thoughts on acting as well as excerpts you'll find helpful from acting books I've acquired over the years. Till next time, stay well, stay safe, know your lines, and don't bump into the furniture.